Excuse me. Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. I started studying this week. I couldn't remember if we did chapter 9 last week or did chapter 8. I think, I think we got through it. I think we got through it. So we're going to be in chapter 10. If anybody has questions about it, holler at me. We'll go back. Isaiah or Hosea chapter 10. Throughout the whole entire book, as we've seen before, God is dealing with the nation of Israel and Judah as far as their sin and their their uh, turning their back on him and worshiping their idols. And as we see in chapter 9, he says that uh, he's going to deal with them throughout the entire book of Hosea. He says that they will be taken back into captivity again, back into Egypt. Uh, they have been worshiping their idols, and, and uh, they've even infiltrated uh, their idols into Judah. And Judah was at one point uh, a godly nation at the time, but they've uh, gone the way of Israel. We start in chapter 10. He says, Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars according to the goodness of his land. They have made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. For now they shall say, We have no king, because we feared not the Lord. What then shall a king do to us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant, thus judging spring, springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves of Beth Haven, for the people thereof shall mourn over it. And the priests there uh, and the priests thereof that rejoice on it, for the glory thereof, because it is departed from it. It shall be also carried unto Assyria for the present to King Jerob. Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As for Samaria, her king is cut off as the form foam upon the water. The high places also of Avon, or Bethhaven, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall come up on their altars, and they shall say to the mountains, Cover us, and to the hills fall on us. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There have they stood. The battle of Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. It is in my desire that I should chastise them, and the people shall be gathered against them, when they shall bind themselves in two furrows. And Ephraim is as a heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn, but I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride, Judah shall plow, and Jacob shall break his clods. Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and bring righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way. In the multitude of thy mighty men, therefore shall atonement arise among the people, and all thy distress, all thy fortresses shall be spoiled, and Shalman spoiled Bethrael, 
in the day of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So shall Bethel do unto you, because your great wickedness in a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. God starts out here telling Hosea to tell the people that they have become an empty vine. Their fruit that they bring forth is worth nothing. How many of you ever seen a, an empty grapevine? It's got nothing on it. It's dead. He says, Israel has become an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself, but that fruit means nothing. They will, they will, bring, a forth, they will bring forth fruit. They will bring a, a, a food. And a, they will have a harvest, but it won't be worth enough of, except to feed them, just enough to survive. He has increased their altars as they prospered in their fruit, as they gained prosperity. They built more altars to the idols. As as some of these, we can see today some of these uh, progressive churches, uh, all these false teachers out there, as they prosper, as they build bigger their church, they add on to it. They continue to get more churches added to them. But they're all worth nothing. They're all false. He says, as their prosperity came along, as they gathered their fruit, they even started making more godly, goodly images. Not godly images. Goodly images. They were pretty. They were nice. Uh, I told the class sometime, y'all one time, we went to uh, Arizona, went to a small old Arizona town, and they had an old Catholic church there. And they had all kinds of statues of all the saints Paul and Peter and, and Mary and all that. And they were all very beautiful. They were very sculptured. They were painted with all colors and really nice. And the, the main one was right in the center, about where that cross would be. Right in the center was Mary holding the baby Jesus. And she was probably about eight foot tall and wide and real pretty and, and nice and colorful. But over to the right, just in a corner, there was a small one, probably about 18 to 20 inches tall, of Christ on the cross. But the rest of them were all these great, big, giant uh, uh, statues. And he says here, it says, as they prospered, they started building more and more goodly-looking images. They, they built more idols to themselves. He says that in verse 2, their heart is divided. Uh, the people of Israel were... They were wanting to worship God. They even gave him lip service and said, you know, we're going to go back to God because he'll take care of us. But their heart wasn't in it. Kind of like a lot of people today. They, they come to church and they'll sit in the worship service and they'll raise their hand and, and, and say all the good stuff that we want to hear, but they don't mean it. It's like those preachers you see on TV. Oh, they, they're good talkers. They are excellent talkers, but they know nothing of this. He said they, they, their heart was divided. They, they want to serve God. They want to uh, worship him, and they do in their words, but not in their ha- or heart. He said they are divided. They will, they will give God lip service, but they won't go to his temple. Verse 3, he says, For now they shall say, We have no king. Because we feared not the Lord. At this time, they were in a desolate situation, and there was no king. The one king that they did have recently at this time, he had been taken away by the Assyrians and killed, and so they had no king. 
And they're getting a little arrogant here. They're looking at it. They're saying, you know what? Uh, we don't need a king. He said, we don't have one because the Lord didn't want us to have one. But you know what? This king of Assyria and all these other kings, they can't do anything to us. Their arrogance of thinking that God's going to protect them when God is the one warning them. I'm going to do this to you. He said, we have no king, but we don't have to worry about it. He said, we don't need a king. No king can do anything to us. He said, we have God on our side. And that's what they believe. They're, they're that arrogant. He said, they have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springeth up as a hemlock. He said, they, 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 they give me lip service, and they say they want to worship me, but they're, they're going to Assyria, and they're going to the Egyptians, and, and saying, uh, we need your help. Uh, they're signing contracts, and they're making covenants, and they're speaking the words that they all want to hear, but he says that they are frauds. When a man stands upon a pulpit and he preaches that much of Bible and that much of your self-worth, something's wrong. He's a false. Uh, you got Benny Hinn. You got Marilyn Hickey. You got uh, Joe Osteen. Joe Osteen's probably the most popular right now. All about how good you are. You're nothing. We are worthless. God says we are nothing but rags, and we need to be tossed away. But we are loved by him. He says they, they uh, make all these covenants, and they, they make these uh, contracts with these other nations, but they're false. Uh, Joe Osteen would stand up and tell you, you're living your best life right now. You know what? To me, it feels like my worst life. I mean, living in this world isn't a pleasant thing to do. Especially with all that's going on in it. I, I got a little message I've been working on. I thought maybe we'd do it at the end of the month about how we look at this world. What our biblical worldview is. We're, I think a lot of us, and I do too, get into a situation sometimes where we don't go to God's word for the answer. We go to our bank account, or we go somewhere else. We do it up with our own. But these people thought they were so arrogant. They, they thought they were going to uh, get by with all this stuff. Verse, five, he said, verse 5, he said, The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because their calves of Beth Haven. Uh, for the people there shall mourn over it. See, there was two places in Israel, Beth Haven, and I can't remember the other place. But they had golden calves there, and that's where they went to worship their idols. That's where they, their so-called great temple was. And they would go there, and they would bow to this, this golden calf, and they would bring their tithes and everything else, and they would worship there. And God says here, he says, they are going to uh, be fearful of their calves. They're going to be scared because it's going to be taken away. God says, I'm going to take it away. He's going to let the kings of Assyria take him back as a present. And, and this is what they are putting their faith in, is this golden calf. It's just like when Moses was on the mount, and, and they, they waited for him, and they waited for him, and, 
And Aaron built that calf for them, that golden calf, because they needed something to view. They needed something physical to look at to worship. Do we need something physical to worship? Do we need something physical that we can see? You know what that's called? Faith. I can't see the air, but I know it's there. I'm breathing it. I can't see God, but you know what? I can see his works. But these people, they needed that calf. That was their point of faith, was this calf. And he said they will be taken away. They will be fearful of this because it will be taken away from them. He says in Beth Haven, because of the calves of Beth Haven, for the people thereof shall mourn over it. When's the last time you mourned over a statue? That's what these people were doing. They were going to mourn over these statues. The priest, he says, will be, be uh, of that rejoiced on it for the glory of because it departed from it. They were scared. They were, oh my goodness, my, 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 my thing of faith is gone. What, what do you think, if Joe Osteen passed away today, what do you think those thousands of people would do that are sitting there under his false teaching? Oh, they'd make a show of it. They'd present his body laid out. They would have flowers and decorations. Kind of like a Michael Jackson thing. Remember that? Michael Jackson died. They just, the whole stadium full of people mourning him. So that's what they would do. They would lose their calves. They're going to be taken away by the kings of Assyria given to the king of that country as a present, and the people of Israel are going to mourn over it. It shall be also carried unto Assyria for a present to the king. Ephraim shall receive shame. Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As for Samaria, Samaria, her king is cut off. The foam up upon the water. Foam upon the, y'all, you go to the beach. I know y'all all go to the beach, right? You go out there and you got all the white foam that rolls up on the beach with the water. Does it last very long? Kind of disintegrates. That it just washes away. That's what he says. The king of Samaria is going to heaven. He's just going to wash away. He said the high places also of Avon or Beth Haven, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn and thistle shall come up at the altars. The altars and the places of the worship are going to sit in desolation. They're going to be carried back to Egypt, back into captivity and into Assyria. And all those places that they worshipped at is going to be grown over. Nothing's going to happen there. The vines are going to grow up. The thorns and thistles, he says, are going to come up and, and cover up their altars. How many times have you ever gone somewhere and seen an old church that's never been used for a while? What's it look like? Kind of desolate, right? Wearing out, falling apart, the weeds are growing up around it. That's what he says is going to happen to their temples and their, their worship places, their altars. And these weren't just pretty altars. I mean, they, these were magnificent altars. Anybody ever walked into a Catholic church? Not this one over here because it's, it, it's just plain. But a real Catholic church in a big city. A cathedral, they call them. Massive gold everywhere. Beautiful stained glass windows. We grew up, well, I, I didn't grow up Catholic. I was baptized Catholic when I was a baby. 
but my brother and sister went to Catholic school. And of course, when you're in Catholic school, you have to go to Catholic Mass every day. And the Catholic school they went to in our hometown was pretty good size. It wasn't immaculate. It wasn't like you would find in, you know, Paris or someplace like that. But it was a big church. It would seat over a thousand people. It was covered. The, the pulpit was covered in gold pieces. The statues were all gold. I don't know if it was real gold, if it was covered in gold, whatever, but it was all gold. It was beautiful. But it meant nothing. Someone once said that, uh, is it Notre Dame? Notre Dame, if they sold everything in Notre Dame, just the insides of it, they could get enough to feed every person in the world for a year. In the world. Billions of people could eat every day for a year with just what the statues they had inside. And these are what these, these Israelis, these, these Jewish people, these, these people of God were worshiping were these statues, these idols, these altars. And God says they're going to become to ruin. They're going to just be covered up with these thistles and thorns, and they're going to be desolate. Nobody's going to be going to them because there won't be nobody there. Israel is going to be taken into Egypt and into Assyria. He said they shall be destroyed. The thorns and thistles shall come up over the altars. They shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Here's how bad it got. When their temples are covered in thorns and thistles and there's no longer they can worship there, they're going to weep and mourn and say, let the mountains fall on us. There's nothing for us to live for. Israel, the people of God, have gotten to that point where they were calling for the mountains to fall on them because they couldn't worship their idols. How bad is that? How bad would it get that we couldn't come into this church? Been that way, hadn't it? When the pandemic hit, what happened? We had to close up. We had to close this house. When it got to that point where we couldn't come in here and worship, did we mourn over it? In a way, we did. But we, we didn't get to the point where we we're going to say, oh, well, we need to die because there's nothing left. These people were worshiping idols and got to that point. They were willing to die over a fake statue, a golden calf. They say, call, call, cover us to the hills, fall on us. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. Gibeah was a, a city uh, a few hundred years before that had had a large battle. They had uh, been in the war there. He said the battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. That battle didn't finish the job. You see, God uses, God uses his enemies to go against us. Now, it, it's not, as what I'm trying to say is, if something comes against us, and it's terrifying, it could be that God's using that for, our, for us, to, to pull us back to him. We could be to the point of Israel was so desolate and so running off the track 
that God says, well, if you won't listen to my word to come back to me, then I'll use something to bring you back. And just like these people, he used the Assyrians, he used Egypt, the armies of them to come against them to bring them back to him. Just like he does with us. We fall out of uh, fellowship with Christ, with God. Who here doesn't feel something of that? Does your heart mourn? Does your heart hurt? You know, if I commit a sin and I know I've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit deals with me. And he's dealt with me a lot <laughs> over the years. And, and, I, and I know it's wrong, and, and, but he deals with me, and he'll deal with you. It's just like an a, a, a unsaved person. God will deal with that person until he gets to the point that he has to turn to God. And if he doesn't, God says, I've done all I can. But they, they were so into their sin, their idolatry, that he says even the battles from years ago didn't finish the job. He said didn't overtake them. It is in the, my desire, God says, that I should chastise them, and the people shall be gathered against them, and when they shall bind themselves in two furrows, in two parts. Some will go to, back into Egypt. Some will go into Assyria. He said, I will bind. It's my desire. See, God has desires too. And his desire is to get every person saved. But it's, he doesn't force us that way. It's a command in Scripture that we be saved. But God doesn't force us. The great example of that, uh, someone, I guess, come up with years ago, is the fa famous painting of Jesus knocking on the door. Y'all seen that? You ever noticed that? If you haven't ever looked at it, there's no door handle on the outside. God, Jesus doesn't open it up with his hand. He doesn't turn the knob and walk right in. You have to answer it. And that's the way he works. God says, I have a desire to chastise these people for their sins. I have to. He's a, he's a holy God. He's a just God. And if every one of us right here sitting here right now, if we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here. God says, I desire to chastise them. The people will gather them. They will be just split into two pharaohs. One, will go, one group will go into Egypt, and one will go into Assyria. They'll be going back into captivity. Chapter 9 and 8, we looked at, they were asking to go back into Egypt. It's just like when they left Egypt the first time. When they got out into a few days into the desert, they desired to go back to Egypt because it was better back there. They, they were afraid God was leaving them in the desert to die. He says that Ephraim is as a heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon their fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride Judah, shall plow, and Jacob shall break his cords. God says here that he's going to put them in a situation that one's going to override the other. They're going to ride upon each other. They're going to be uh, put into uh, captivity. And they're going to be just like a trained 
heifer or a trained ox. You ever seen an ox? Somebody working with an ox? They got this long whip. Just tap him on the rear end. He goes where he goes. Tells him where to go, just like sheep, right? They follow along. Shepherd has his little uh, um, stick and staff, and he guides them right along. He said, they're going to be just like this heifer. They're going to be taught. They're going to love to walk around that cornfield. They're going to love to be guided on their own. That's how they're going to be. He said, I'm going to put them in that way. They're going to be so captive, they're going to wish they'd stay there. They're going to wish that, that you know, they're going to guide, be guided by whoever's ruling them, and they're going to be happy about it. Back in chapter 9, the verse part, uh, first cha- uh, verse in chapter 9, he says, Rejoice not, O Israel. Do not joy as the other people. He's talking about their prosperity back then. He said they were having a good time just because they got a little bit of harvest came in. Well, now they're going to be in, in Egypt and in Assyria as captives, and they're going to just follow along. Kind of like a bunch of Democrats. They just follow along right behind whoever says what. Okay? And if you're a Democrat, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break your fallow ground. Here God has given the gospel to them. He's pleading with them to come back to him. He says, sow yourself in righteousness. God says that we reap what we sow here in this, while we're here. We will, we will reap what we put into this world. We'll get back what we put into it. And if we're going to put in the, the idolatry and the sins and the hatred and the, 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 all the things of this world, this secular world, that's what we're going to reap. He said, but if we sow righteousness, we will reap mercy. God says if we sow in righteousness, he's going to have mercy upon us. He's talking about these Jews, but he brings it into us. It it comes into our word as well. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground. Anybody know what fallow ground is? We ain't farmers in here. Y'all know what fallow ground is? That's right. It's never been worked, at least for a while. So it's hardened. It's kind of like my yard. Every year, rocks start growing. They they really do. I think think we we got a rock garden, not just literally sitting out in their yard, but I mean, it grows up. We pulled that stone out that we were digging last year. I started digging. And it's kind of like this. It it, it gives me an example of sin. We, We were... We had our yard worked on, had a new uh, driveway, and Brenda loves to dig up rocks. She's a rock fanatic. And she seen this one little rock, and it was only about that big that we seen the top of it, you know. So she started digging. I can't get this one. Okay. But, man, by the time I got done, I had a hole 45 inches long and about 22 inches wide and about 18, 20 inches deep, and it was still rock. <laughs> and that was the rock. Well, we dug and we dug. I couldn't get it out. There's no way. So we finally got a guy come down. Uh, uh, yeah, backhoe, sir. Gary's backhoe come down. Guy come down with his backhoe. We got him to dig it out. 
So he clamped down with that granite, pulled up. Nope. 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 He finally had to dig around it, both sides. Finally got down in there and pulled it up. If I can measure it. Probably about from here to that speaker. That's long way. That's it's laying flat, okay? It's about that tall, laying flat. And it's probably about halfway that stage to that step. You can go by, you can drive it. It's in front of the front yard. Brenda made me put it out front so we could, it's out there. You can drive by and see it. If, if, if I was able to get it set up on the side, it probably stood about this tall. I could hide behind it. But it, but it, 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 was, it, was, it was just a hard stone. And that's kind of like a, a, a plowed field that's not been touched. It's all rocky. It's all hard. And so that's what he says here. He says, break up your foul ground. He's talking about our hearts. When sin comes into our lives, the longer it stays there, the harder our heart gets against it. How many of us uh, cheat on our taxes? Come on, don't give me that. How many of you do over the speed limit? Okay. How many of you let your inspection sticker go over a month? Okay. We're breaking the law, right? Are we sinning? According to God, we are. Because we're not following the laws of the, the authorities over us. Okay. As long, but, but we've got to the point, I'm only going five miles over it. I'm good. You know, it's only a month. I've got an appointment with the car dealership. They're going to inspect it next week. No big deal, right? It's no big deal to us. That's the way sin gets. After sin's been in our life so long, you know, it's, it's like, so? No big deal, right? I'm not, I'm not getting into alcohol and smoking and stuff, but, you know, Christians still smoke. There are still Christians out there who smoke. Don't, don't, you know, I'm not going against them with that. But it's a hard a habit to break. It's something that it takes some time and it takes, you know, dedication to get over. And, but it gets to the point where you don't think about it. You go to church. You go to men's prayer breakfast. You go to, you know, your Bible study. You don't, you don't think about it. You walk out, you get in the car, you light one up, you go on. That's the way sin is once it gets into us. It hardens our heart to it to the point that we don't even worry about it anymore. Kind of like taxes. Well, I can take that off taxes. I can take that off my taxes. Let's see, that was $200 donation to Joe Osteen. I can take that off my tax. you know. <laughs> okay? That right there would be a sin, okay? But that's what happened. So God says here, he's telling these people, he said, break up that fallow ground. Break up that hardened heart you got. He's calling them back to him. He's pleading with them with the gospel. He says, you have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You plowed the sin, and now you're reaping the iniquity of it, the consequences. You have eaten a fruit of lies. How many of us tell a lie? 
I won't get into it. <laughs> because thou didst trust in thy way, he says, in the multitude of thy mighty men. God says that it is not in horses or men or armies that we can trust. Now we send men overseas and we send them into war, but you know what? That doesn't mean we're going to win. Let's take the, the recent elections. What was the big thing going into them? Red wave. Big red wave. Republicans are going to just take the place over, right? They're still waiting to see if we got one more vote in the house, in the Senate and at least seven more or three more in the House. You know what? Wasn't no wave. How did the man that's in the White House get to the White House? God put him there. We can't say he didn't. Because God has control of everything that goes on. Okay? He has control of who he sets up and who he brings down. He says, they, they have, they, you've eaten the fruit of lies. Because thou didst trust in thy way and not his way, and you had a multitude of mighty men, you trusted in them. He said, therefore shall atonement arise among thy people, and all thy fortresses shall be spoiled. They'll be spoiled. There's no place we can hide. There's no place we can stand behind that God can't take care of. God can't get through it. He said, Beth or Bell, Beth or Bell, Beth, Beth or Bell, in the day of battle, the mother was dashed in pieces of her children, upon her children. The people were destroyed. God did it. He allowed the, the uh, 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 armies to come in, Shaman to come in and spoil and to destroy, killing their children, killing the parents, killing the people in it. God allowed it. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness. In the morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. God tells them, and, and through the entire book of Hosea, God is telling them, I'm going to chastise you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm not going to completely annihilate you. But I'm going to destroy you so that you'll see that I am in control. God is in control of everything. And he says, I will, I will take you down, I will put you into a situation where you won't have anything else to do but call on me. God does that to us. God does that to us. He, 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 he deals with us and deals with us until we can't do anything else. One time somebody asked me, he said, well, you know, atheists don't believe in God. I bet if I put a gun to his head, he would. Right? If he was in a situation where he didn't have any way out of it, of his own work, he would call on God. We can see that all through that. Even though they don't care for it, and they don't believe it, they say, if they got into a situation, they would call on God. No doubt. Okay? But he said they will do that. Because of their wickedness, they will be cut off. The king will be cut off. I won't say that we are in a situation in this country that God has cut us off, but we're awful close. 
And it's not, not because of the politicians. It's not because of, uh, of the false teachers. A lot of it has to do with those of us who pray. Sometimes we don't pray. Maybe we're not praying hard enough. Maybe we're not dealing with the sins of the world that we need to deal with. Okay? God says he is in control. We need to turn it over to him. It's, it's, it's God. It's not us. God is sovereign over everything. He knows everything. We cannot hide from him. We cannot uh, build a wall so he can't see us. Everything that goes on in the world of every person that's in this world, God sees. I don't care who you are. You can't hide from him. He, did, he says he will deal with Israel. Even though he's talking a prophecy here in Hosea, it goes with us. We can take lessons from the Old Testament all through it and apply it to our lives. Because that's what he says he's doing. But he will. He will take care of Israel. He will not annihilate them. They will still be his. He goes into chapter 11. He talks about how he will scatter them as a nation among the other people. Remember what happened? I wasn't around in 1941, but any of those that you were, remember when, was it 41 or 48, that Israel became a nation? 48. Those of you who were around, what happened as soon as they became a nation again? People started flocking back to Israel. They still do that. There, there, there's a ministry out there that, that helps the Israelites, the Jews, get back into Israel from wherever they're at. They've been scattered throughout the entire world. God says he did that. He scattered them. Now he's going to bring them back. And we're going to see as we talked about in the first couple chapters of Hosea, in the book of Revelations, they will all be back in Israel. They will all come back to God at that time. Any questions? Any comments? Yeah. Right. Exactly. That, that's a great point. I wish I'd, I'd thought about that. Hemlock is a poisonous weed, right? And he's going to bring that up in a fallow ground, something that doesn't grow. You see there? There's God's enemy. God's going to bring him up in the midst of all of it. That's a good example. I, I'm glad you brought that up. That was great. Yeah, hemlock is a poison. So in the midst of that heart, that hardened heart, that hardened ground, God can bring up what he wants. You know, God, when God created the heavens and the earth, he brought up the plants, right? So here's the question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Somebody put a cartoon up, showed both of them. Said both of them get there at the same time. <laughs> but you're, that's right. How can, how can a weed, that, basically hemlock is a weed. They grow it now for purposes, but back then it was probably just a weed growing up. But it growed up in that foul ground. It growed up in a ground that couldn't grow anything at the time. That's good. I thank you. Anything else?
Oh, and Daniel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this will revert back. Um, verse 8. Yeah, you can go back and look at even in Deuteronomy and 1 Kings. You'll see that same idea. Because, because they were so in a desolate situation that they had no other way out. And, and so they were, they were to the point where, well, I guess you could say they were suicidal. You know, someone gets to the point where he's, her, he, she, he is just, to that point, they just can't handle it anymore. It's just a situation that, you know, I can't take this. Just, just let this house fall on me and just let it be done with. And that, that's the way it was there. Yeah, uh, First Kings, Deuteronomy, Daniel, uh, even in Isaiah, he talks about the same thing. That they call for that point of let the mountains fall on us. Not right now. <laughs> Anything else? All right. If not, Lord Jesus, we pray. We ask you to watch over tonight as we leave this place of your house. God, we thank you for giving us this time, uh, this uh, place that we can worship you, glorify and honor you. We can study your word. Uh, Lord, we just ask for a blessing upon each of these prayer requests we have this evening. Uh, Lord, just watch over us as we leave tonight. Watch over us for this week. Help us, Lord, to break up any foul ground that we may have. Help us, Lord, to get out of that uh, uh, way of being uh, a, a hardened heart. Help us, Lord, to just do as thy will will be done. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you've done for us. We we lift up your name of Jesus, uh, our Savior, the one who died and, uh, and just uh, rose for our salvation. God, we thank you and we love you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you all. I enjoyed that.